the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please visit thepearl.church. We hope you enjoy this message. Let's speak on gratefulness. Uh, and you can turn your Bibles this morning with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, as we begin the holiday season, I'll be doing some very specific messages uh, that are around Christmas and the birth of Christ, but we're in a series called The Gospel. Now, the gospel, uh, depending on how you define that word, uh, it really is the story, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So when you hear the word, the gospel of Jesus, it's his entire story. It's the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, some of you have incredible stories. And I've gotten to hear some of your testimonies recently. So the gospel of who, who you are, the death, burial, and the resurrection of you, of what God's done in your life. There's a gospel, a truth. One of the definitions for the word gospel is truth. Uh, so it's the gospel truth. You've heard that phrase. It's, it's the idea that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. When we talk about the gospel, we're talking specifically about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, but we're also saying the truth. How does the death, burial, and resurrection impact certain subjects? This morning, I'm going to speak on a subject called the gospel of gratefulness, okay? The gospel of gratefulness. And you can turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 26. Um, I'm going to read a few verses this morning, and I'm going to read quite a few verses, but I want you to get the context of the story today. Uh, we're going to talk about Mary and the birth of Jesus and a little bit about what she went through and how even in the middle of her carrying this burden, she was still grateful in many ways. So verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now Elizabeth was her first cousin, they were, they were cousins, and Elizabeth um, plays an important role in the story of Christ because she's the mother of John the Baptist, okay? So as John the Baptist uh, came before Jesus and everything that, that happened in the gospel and in the story of Jesus, and so she was pregnant first, and we'll come to that in a minute, but in the sixth month of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, uh, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Very important because obviously the Savior had to come from the lineage of David. And the, the story uh, on Christmas, from my Christmas message, I'm going to talk about um, I'm going to talk about the genealogy of Christ. And the whole message will just be me reading the genealogies, and then I'm <laughs> and that's it. And I will have nothing else to say because you should be able to just receive from the Word. Okay. Okay, but I'm going to talk about the lineage of Christ and everybody that was in the lineage of Christ. There were some crazy people in the lineage of Christ, including, you know, you don't think about it. Many of you know this, but but people like Rahab, the prostitute, was actually in the lineage of Jesus. The, the lineage, lineage of Jesus is not filled with perfect people. It's filled with people who had a relationship with God and God transformed them and they became something different. And that's what qualified them to be in the lineage of Christ. But I'm getting ahead of myself. And so uh, the descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went, angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Everyone say favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. Um, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. There's that word favor again. That's the second time. Verse 31, you will conceive and you will give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. That's a big statement right there. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now these couple of verses is really important because this is, this is the, a description of what's going to happen with Jesus. And if you're married and you're a young 16, 17-year-old girl and you're hearing this, you can imagine how overwhelmed she was. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is already in her sixth month. For no word, now check this out, and if you have your Bibles this morning, verse 37, I think you should underline this. For no word from God will ever fail. So powerful. Because here, here's this, here's Mary, surrounded by something she doesn't understand yet. You have the division of the Old Testament and the New Testament. You have four years of, 400 years of silence where God has not spoken to his people. There's been 400 years. And then with the, with the birth of baby Jesus, with his cry, as Jesus cries as a baby, he will break 400 years of silence. So you have promises in the Old Testament that were prophesied about the New Testament. You have a young girl who has no idea what's going on. And all of a sudden, you have an angel shows up and the single phrase that should stand out to each and every one of us here this morning is in verse 37. For no word from God, no matter how long it takes, no matter what we have to go through, whether it takes a day, a year, or 400 years, how many of you know and you believe that no word from God will ever fail. Very important. Verse 35, 34. Well, how will this be, Mary asked. The angel, since I'm a virgin, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And he goes on, and he says, and then she answers him. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Now, I want you to skip down to verse 46. I want to read you a little bit more. So her and Elizabeth have a conversation. Now they get together. They're having a conversation. And we know what happens when, when Mary comes in um, and, and she begins to talk. And then the baby inside of her womb, John the Baptist, lit, leapt in her womb. And, and her and Jesus, or John and Jesus, are all already having this this supernatural moment, even though they're both in the womb. And there's, there's so much here that I can't unpack today. But look at her response. And Mary said, you know, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. So let me pray real quick. Father, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no word from God will ever fail. Regardless of how long it takes, or what it takes from us to carry the burden of the word, our faith and our knowledge is that no word from God will ever fail. And so today, Jesus, in the gospel of gratefulness, the truth about gratefulness, I pray that you would allow us 
to have a deep sense of gratefulness even for the things that have not happened yet. You know, Father, it's easy for us to be grateful for the things that have already happened, but a Christian, a person of faith and belief, they can have gratefulness in their heart for what is about to happen even though they haven't seen it with their own eyes. So Jesus, we are a grateful people today. And we pray this morning that you would bless every church. We are grateful for every leader, every pastor, every song that is sung today in every church in the Denver metro area. We are grateful for our brothers and sisters in the city. We pray that you'd bless them, that you would strengthen them, that you would cover them. And we pray that many people in this holiday season would hear the name of Jesus. Some for the first time will hear the gospel. I pray that you do a deep work in all of their hearts, that you bring revival to our city and bless our church today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Okay. So we're going to talk about the truth, the gospel about gratefulness today. Um, I know that, that many of you had these. Anybody here ever had a grumpy day? You ever had a grumpy day? Um, some, some of you are having a grumpy day today. Um, so I'm not trying to make this personal. It might be prophetic, but it's not personal. Um, and so, but sometimes you have grumpy days, you have bad days. And have you ever had a bad day, but you enjoy it? right? You're having a bad day and you're like, hey, look, look, I'm, I'm kind of grumpy today and I'm actually enjoying it. So if you wouldn't mind, please don't be happy around me. I have a space. I have a space around me. And if you step into it, I expect you to come down to my level. And uh, because it's been a bad week and sometimes I just need to be grumpy. Sometimes, sometimes I need to have a little more coffee. Sometimes you got to go for a drive in your car. But if you've ever had a grumpy day and you're just enjoying it and you're like, man, I'll get through it. I'll be fine. But I'm just, I'm just having one of those days. And then somebody comes along. You know, some Peggy positive, some, some, some Peggy comes along and she's like, she's like, oh, you're having a bad day. Uh, yeah, I'm having a bad day. Well, it'll get better. I, I don't want it to get better. Um, you look so good today. I woke up late. Um, isn't it beautiful outside? No, it's, it's snowing. We're in the middle of a blizzard, but doesn't it just look like Christmas? It's so amazing. Look, look Christmas is a, is a bad holiday and Christmas trees are of pagan religion. And, um, and so, oh, but, oh, but, but it's so beautiful. No, I was in the snow and somebody rear-ended me today in the car. I don't want to have, and then, and then, but Peggy positive just won't quit. She just won't quit. Well, what an opportunity for you to show the love of Jesus to somebody who created chaos for you. That's what Jesus did. And don't you sometimes, don't you sometimes just want to be like, listen, Peggy, before you sprinkle any, any more of, of your, um, of your funfetti on my, on my personal grumpy moment, internal, leave me alone time. Um, I would like you to just, you know, and there, there's just certain times in our lives where we just have those kind of days and we just refuse to kind of come out of the funk that we're in, right? It's because something might be going on that we don't understand. Something might be happening that we don't like. But you know what? As Christians, here is the problem with Christians. This is what we have to deal with. The gospel of our gratefulness is bound to the fact that our level of gratefulness is held to a higher level by something higher than us than what our circumstances might be speaking. If you love Jesus and you know that Jesus died on the cross for you and that you get to spend eternity with Jesus and God has done things in your life, it doesn't matter what's happening in your life, you have a reason to be grateful. Can I hear an amen? You know, and the world is grumpy enough, right? The world has enough problems with ungratefulness. So here we are in the middle of the Christmas season, and I think it's really important that regardless of what is happening around you, that we keep our eyes fixed on the gospel message. During the holidays, we need to remember a few things. 
We need to remember that this season is about the birth of Jesus. It's about the cross of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross, and the fact that his arrival changed everything for us. If we can keep our hearts and minds fixed on Jesus, stay away from the news. Stay away from the news. I am, I am a self-proclaimed news addict. My family can't stand it. I love the news. I like to know what's going on in the world, but can I be honest with you? The last week or two, I've been turning off the news. You know why? Because it gets into my spirit. I want to make sure that I keep my eyes fixed on something that is positive, that keeps me grateful, that makes, makes me say, I'm glad to get up in the morning because I know what Jesus has done for me. So we gotta make sure that we keep our eyes fixed. Now, let me talk about this for a minute. Mary had a very important role in not only the birth of Jesus, but helping us to understand gratefulness itself. Let me read to you a little bit here. Starting back in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, Gabriel is an important character. Gabriel, as you probably know, you've heard the name Gabriel. Gabriel is one of the archangels. He's one of the two archangels mentioned in scripture. There are other angels, but there are only two that are really mentioned. Gabriel is one of them. Gabriel, Gabriel had a very important role in the gospel story because the only time that Gabriel speaks in scripture three times is when he speaks of Jesus. In the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, he speaks about the end, end times. In the middle of a prophetic moment, God says, Daniel, uh, you're going to get a message. And then this angel shows up and says, I'm Gabriel, basically, and, and this is what's going to happen in the end times. That's you and I today, where we're at, the end times. We're living for Christ today. The second time is when he talks about the birth of John the Baptist. And then in this scenario, he talks about Jesus. What? an incredible job as an angel. The only interaction that you will ever have is to get to announce to humanity the birth of Jesus Christ. What an incredible angelic responsibility. Gabriel's name actually means God is great. That's what his name means. But did you know what Mary's name means? Bitterness. People don't always look at her name and define it. Her name means bitterness. So you have Gabriel, whose God is great, and you have Mary, whose name is bitterness. Because look, look what it says here. Um, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was bitterness. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled, and so would you if an angel showed up. The Bible says that an angel showed up. She's about 16 years old. And this angel walks in and it's Gabriel. And he only talks about the birth of Jesus. And the Bible says she was wondering what kind of a greeting this was. And he didn't even give her a greeting. She didn't get what she was hoping for. I'm getting an angelic visitation. This is going to be wonderful. He's going to greet me. He's going to say hi to me. But instead he says, you are highly favored. Favored. Sometimes what God calls favor to us feels like a burden. See, you need to understand what she was about to go through. She's a young girl. She's betrothed to another man. She's about to be accused of sleeping around. She's about, she's about to try to convince Joseph that she didn't cheat on him and didn't get pregnant by somebody else. 
She would be marked in the community. She would be somebody who would have to fight for the rest of her life to, to create some kind of a space that she's not the person, the people that saying that she is. And she's a young girl. She's not even ready to be pregnant. She doesn't want to have a baby. All of this is out of control for her. There's an angel shows up and all of a sudden, uh, God is great shows up. And this poor young girl all of a sudden is being told that she has a burden that she's going to have to carry. Sometimes what feels like a burden is really favor. And regardless of what it is that you have to carry right now, because some of you guys, listen to me, some of you are carrying some things that are really heavy right now. You have financial things that you're carrying. You've got family responsibility that you're carrying right now. There are some things that you're going through that nobody knows about, but you have to carry them. Children, grandchildren, bankruptcy, hidden sin, things like addiction, Things that nobody else could understand. What might look like a burden to you, God might label as favor. Because when you realize that every word that God ever spoke is going to come true, no word will ever fail. When you come through what you're going through, God is going to use it for good. And he is going to be resurrected, birthed and resurrected inside of your circumstance. So here she is. How does a young girl like this, how does she stay grateful? And so, so sometimes you get to be Gabriel and you get to deliver the burden, but sometimes you're Mary and you have to carry the burden and stay grateful. You see, a burden, the burden is, is interesting, you know, this whole pregnancy thing. You know, I, my, my wife, my children, my children were all born very small. Uh, my first daughter was born eight pounds, nine ounces. My middle child was nine pounds, 10 ounces. My son was 10 pounds, one ounce. He was so large when he came through the birth canal, he snapped his collarbone. He couldn't get out. He was just trying to get out, snapped his collarbone. 10 pounds, one ounce. We're still in the labor and delivery. My wife looks at me and she goes, eight, nine, 10. We are not having another child. <laughs> right? So as, as exciting as, as, as it was, as much as she wanted to have that child and we're gonna have a son, as exciting as that and wonderful, she still had to carry the burden. So it will ultimately become favor while you're in the middle of it can feel like a burden. But can you be grateful for the favor when you're in the middle of the burden? There was a, a young lady, there's a, there's a lady in the church. Um, they brought in a couple of foster kids. And you know, I, I have such admiration for people who do foster care because they work so hard. They bring somebody into their home a child, a baby that they don't know, that they didn't give birth to, it wasn't their own. How do you think Joseph felt? You know, Joseph, Joseph was raising a child that wasn't his own, not knowing what was going to really become of this child. And so so the, this, this, this family, they've had these two foster babies. They're growing up now for like two years. And they just found out that, I was told this morning, they just found out that the court's, have ruled, and they're going to get to permanently adopt these two babies. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? But if you've ever fostered or adopted, listen to me, it is so much work. And what can seem like a burden ultimately will become favor if you just believe that it was God who said it in the first place, right? I mean, what, a, what an incredible thing that this young lady must have been going through. Let me keep reading. Verse 30. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. Now look at this, verse 31. 
You will. Everyone say you will. You will conceive. It's not you might conceive. It's not we're thinking about allowing you to conceive. God's still in debate. You will conceive. So this is done. This is finished. There's no, there's no controversy. You will conceive and you will give birth to a son. Now this statement, this statement probably might have been the hardest moment for her. Finding out that her life is now no longer her own. So all the things that she could have experienced, the rest of her courting relationship and planning to have a child, and she has no choice in the matter. You will conceive and you will have a son and you will, you don't even get to name your own child. You will name him Jesus, which means savior. And he will be great. Look at all the wills. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the descendants um, forever. Now, if you're Mary and he starts with, please don't be afraid, (laughs) right? But because you found favor, but you will have a son. And you will name him Jesus. Now the word favor here is very interesting. A couple of years ago I did a whole thing about prosperity and favor. But what's important is the word favor does not mean what you and I think it means. When we think of favor, we think of Christmas time, holiday season, at the mall, trying to find a parking spot. (laughs) I have a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine. I'll say his name because he's a great man of faith. His name is Ben Strop. I've known Ben for my whole Christian life. He pastors a great church called Bethesda in Portland, Oregon. And every time he goes to the mall, he starts speaking in tongues and praying for favor for parking spots. (laughs) I've been in the car with him when he does it. And the first time it happened, I was like, oh, come on, give me a break. Come on. And and the, the problem is, as he's pulling up, we're pulling up somewhere, somebody pulls out right in front of him. He just pulls in. He goes, favor. The first time it happened, I was like, please. About the fifth time it happened, I stopped talking and just started hoping that I would have that kind of faith someday. We think of favor like, hey, I got a raise, or hey, favor, somebody slipped me a $100 bill, or hey, we call those Pentecostal handshakes, by the way, the old Pentecostal handshake. Hey, you know what? But you know, favor has nothing to do with finance. I mean, it can, but the word favor in the Hebrew means something very important right here. This is incredibly important. The word favor means to be in agreement with God. Because you cannot have favor in disagreement with God. So regardless of your circumstance, are you in agreement with your circumstance or are you not in agreement with your circumstance? Does God know more than you know? Is God allowing this to happen so that something can be birthed in you that wouldn't have been birthed without your circumstance? You have to be in agreement with God. Now look at what the angel says. The angel says to her, hey, um, I am so excited for you. This is so amazing um, because you have found favor. There was something in the angel. The angel understood that Mary was already in agreement with God or he wouldn't have used the word will. He wasn't forcing it on her. 
He knew she was in agreement in her heart. You're, you're, you're going to have a, a son. His name's going to be Jesus. You're going to conceive. Because in her heart, she wasn't resisting. She was just experiencing. So many times in life when we go through stuff, people might interpret our experiencing as resisting. But we're not resisting. We're just trying to work through the circumstance. So sometimes when you see people and they look like they're resisting, please don't judge them or try to correct them. Just let them have their moment in the discovery that God has has done something. They're not resisting. Come on. They're just experiencing. I mean, come on. You've had things that happened in your life that you just had to work through. You had to figure it out. Well, the, the angel knew that in her heart, she was in agreement or he wouldn't have used the word favor. It says, and he will be great. And he will be called um, the uh, son of the most high God. Now listen to these words again. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now this girl knew something. She knew that she was in the lineage of David. And with each successive generation, everyone in the community knew that eventually the Savior would come from somebody in that line. And everybody, probably in every generation, was like, wow, maybe it'll be me. Every young lady might be me, might be you, might be someone in your class. Because they knew, they knew how many people are there. They know all the tribes. They know every, and somewhere in here, that person's going to come. And then all of a sudden, the angel says, hey, it's you. It's me? Yeah, it's you. Your, the Lord your God will give him the throne of his father, David. And she goes, oh my gosh. I get to... I, all of the generations, everything we've learned about the Messiah. I'm the one. I'm chosen. If you think about the word favor, sometimes the word favor, the agreement with God, is what solidifies the call of God. See, because God calls each one of us. Listen, listen. If you don't know that you're called to something, I want to tell you that you are. God has a calling and a purpose for every person in this room right now. God knows you, he knows your name, and he's called you to something. Maybe he called you to something in your family, in the workplace, something in the church, a person you know, you're carrying a burden, but you're called, you're called to do it. God knew that it was you, and you can say, is it me? And then he says, look, and he, he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and ever. So in the first couple of verses, he says, you've been, this is what's going to happen. And then he describes what is going to happen. And it was huge. It was massive. Like this is the biggest moment in human history, right? Would you be willing to still be grateful if you could be a part of something bigger than yourself if you knew it was going to cost you everything? Because there there are just some things in life. God says, no, you get to be a part. Look, look, moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas, husbands, wives. There are some times where you just have to go through stuff that you don't want to go through because you know if you will go through it in the end, it's not fair. You don't want to do it. You don't want to feel that pain. You don't want to have those hard conversations. But you're going to go through it because in the end, you know God's going to do something great. Are you willing to be grateful in the middle of knowing it's going to cost you everything? Everything. Your reputation, your friends, your family, your finance. You're going to be marked. People are going to talk about you. There's going to be rumors about you. People are going to say untruths about you. Can you still be grateful in the middle The truth of gratefulness is that it's not based on our circumstance. 
It's based on the bigger picture. She got to be a part of something bigger than herself. And then she says, and I love the English because I don't know what she, who knows what she looked like right now. Tears, fear. She goes, question. How is this going to happen? Because I'm not married. I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and So the Holy One will be born. He'll be called the Son of God. Now look at verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And by the way, she's already six months pregnant. Sometimes, let me ask you a question. Have you ever really been praying for a miracle and then God gives it to somebody else? (laughs) Have you ever been praying for a financial blessing and it happens to like the person that you were kind of praying against? I don't know. (laughs) Someone that annoys you, you're just like, man, and then they just come running. Because the positive people always come in and they, they wave that positivity. Have you, have you ever like wanted something to happen and it happens to somebody else? Because it's happened to me a lot. I, I've, I've been praying for things to happen and they happen to other people. And I'm like, what in the world? So here's what we have to do. The truth about gratefulness is this. God will use the miracles in other people's lives to give you faith for your own. Because she knew Elizabeth. She knew that Elizabeth could not have a baby. She knew she was too old. She knew she was barren. There's no way. This woman's not having a child. And and then all of a sudden, she's six months pregnant. I got to go see this. So she goes. But sometimes other people's miracles aren't meant to discourage you. They're meant to encourage you. Because if God can do that for them, come on, somebody. God can do that for you. If he can do it over there, he can do it over here. And I don't, care what, I don't care what you're praying for. If God can provide for them, God can provide for us. Amen. If God can have revival over there, he can have revival here. If God can heal that person, he can heal me. Right. If God can fulfill that promise, he can fulfill that promise that he made to me because every word that comes from the mouth of God will not fail, right? right? And so she, go, he, she goes and she's hanging out with Elizabeth and they have this conversation. But I want you to notice verse 38. This is her response to Gabriel. I am the Lord's servant. Everyone say servant. Now, this is so important because God is not looking just for champions. I love the champion messages, you know. I love the prophetic, the prophet messages. I'm a prophet to the nation. Like, I love all the big talk. I, I love, I love that God needs all of it, but you know what God, you know what the common denominator needs to be for anyone who wants to have something birthed in them of God, calls them to something greater than themselves, you have to be a servant. I'm not here to do my own will, I'm here to serve the will of the Father. I'm not here to make a name for myself, I'm here to make God's name great. I'm not here for people to serve me. I'm here to serve other people. I'm not here to be first. I'm here to be last. I'm not here to, to have other people carry, carry everything for me, my burden. I'm here to carry other people's burdens. I'm the, I want to be the good Samaritan. She says, I am a servant, a servant. I will carry this burden because I am a servant. And then she says, may your word to me be fulfilled, Period. And that young girl, as she made that statement, the angel leaves. His job is done. He, God is great, 
got to deliver the message to a, a young lady whose name means bitterness. She had to fight it her whole walk, probably. But in the middle of it, she was grateful. Now look at this. We'll, we'll end here. In verse 46, her and Elizabeth, uh, they get together and they have a conversation and, and uh, she stays there a couple of months with her. And, but then Mary, after their, after their initial greeting, there's a thing that we call Mary's song. So in your Bible, it'll say Mary's song. And this is her response to everything that has happened. Now I want you to notice something. Look at it here, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul, everyone say soul. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit. Say spirit. Rejoices in my God, my Savior, for he has uh, been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And that includes you and me here today. We're the, we're the current generation that we get to say, man, she was blessed, wasn't she? She was so blessed. She got to be the mother of the Savior. She got to have a conversation with Gabriel, who only delivered messages about Jesus. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. Now there's two words here. She says, my soul glorifies and my spirit rejoices. Um, in the human existence, without breaking down the mind, soul, the spirit, the body, all that stuff. In the human experience, there are two parts of us that we constantly deal with. Where we have to wrestle with, are we going to be grateful or not? The first one is the natural in the, in the mind. The battlefield of the mind, you've heard that phrase. We, we deal with it up here, that's the soul. The soul is not the part of us that goes to heaven. The soul is the part of us that's the cumulative experience that creates sort of this, like, this thing that we just exude to people, the soul. They were a kind soul. They were a grumpy soul, right? Bless their soul, you know, may their soul rest in peace, right? The soul is the cerebral part here. To be grateful, you have to work through this. You got to say, no matter what I'm going through right now, God is good. God has a plan for my life. And I'm going to believe the word of God over my emotions and over my experiences and over my context. I'm not going to allow my context to override what the word of God says. Can I hear an amen? right? And so I'm going to fight it here. But then he says, my spirit rejoices. The spirit is the part of us that actually goes to heaven, the spirit. We're spirit people. We have an eternal spirit inside of us that lives. So she was okay with this, both in the natural and she was okay with it in the spiritual. She was okay because she understood it and she was okay. She knew it was going to pay off in the end. She got to be a part of something. She knew she was called to do it by God. Called. It just didn't happen. She was called to do it spiritually. So you have to work through this. That's with the word of God. And you have to work through this in the heart, the call of God, the spirit part. My soul and my spirit, on both levels of my being, I am going to be grateful. And when they align, God says, I'm proud of you. I'm gonna favor you because you agree with me. You're gonna let me be who I am. Let me be God in your life. Let me take your struggle and turn it into gratefulness. Even if you don't understand it, even if it doesn't make sense, the gospel of, great, of gratefulness is that our gratefulness is not bound by our circumstances, but it's because we know that we have a father in heaven who loves us 
and all things work for the good for those who love Jesus. The truth is we gotta be grateful in all things. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning as we close and then I'll have a... I'll have uh, Pastor Ellie come back in, in just a second here and take the offering, but I want, you to, I want you to be super honest with me today just for a minute. I want you to just listen to me. Everyone look right up here just because I, I want to have a, a, an incredible moment of, of honesty and authenticity. There are people in the room here today, both downstairs and up in the balcony. Listen to me. If you're here and you have really struggled with being grateful because of some circumstances, things that you've been through, God wants to do an incredible work in your life today. He does. If that's you, will you please lift your hand? Because I want to pray for you. We're family. If you're, if you're here today and you've, you've struggled with being grateful because of circumstances, things that are going on, lift those hands nice and high, okay? Keep them up just for a minute. Keep them up just for a minute. God wants you to know that no word that God has ever spoken about your life is going to fail. Not one word, not one promise. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that God is good and he's good all the time. Not on our timeline, but he's good all the time. And today, we recognize, just like Mary, that she could go from bitterness to thankfulness because she agreed with the Lord that I'm called, I'm anointed, I get to be a part of something bigger than myself. Sometimes we get to be grateful and, and we get to say, God is great. We get to be Gabriel, but sometimes we get to be Mary and we have to carry the burden, but we can still be grateful. Father, we, we go through all of this. I pray, Jesus, for every hand that is lifted. I pray that if they're Mary today, I pray that you would show yourself faithful in their life. I pray that you would lift the burden off of their shoulders and carry the burden with them so that they can see it. I pray that you'd put people in their life to testify to them. I got through it and so can you. God did a miracle for me. He's going to do a miracle for you. Father, I pray that you would come and you bless these people today that regardless of their circumstance, God's going to do a work. God's going to be faithful. God's going to come through. And all of this is for a reason. Say this with me, church. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say, Lord Jesus. Here I am in my circumstance. And I trust you. Today, I choose to be faithful. Because you will. You will. You will. You will fulfill your promise. Let gratefulness thankfulness come out of my spirit now one more prayer say Lord Jesus thank you so much that all my sins have been forgiven and today I receive you as my Lord as my Savior in Jesus name Amen alright there was about 50 hands that were up I think you should all clap for them encourage them today people are going through stuff Man, I love you. I'm so grateful for you today. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for the church. Pastor Ellie, will you come and just stand up here with me? Can you do me a favor? Can you just clap one more time for Jesus? Because he's, he's doing an incredible work. God bless you. And uh, should we sing a little bit? We, we got to sing a little more.